podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Red Alert, the monthly podcast for Anfield Index, where we look at on-the-pitch matters, off-the-pitch matters, and our hopes for the coming month. I'm Dave Davis. I'm in a usual windy, cold Edinburgh. Whoever said summer is around the corner was telling big, fat lies. And as much as I'm going to talk about everything Liverpool have done right in April, I'm joined by the man who usually gets everything wrong when we talk about Liverpool in Mark Evans. <laughs> so, Mark Evans, how are we? Good evening. I'm well, Dave. Glad to be here. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, we have got plenty to talk about, ladies and gents. It is getting to that business end of the season. It's getting to the transfer business with Liverpool and even it could be the investment business. So, who knows what will be coming up in May. But... As usual, we will start with everything on the pitch in what could only be described as a varying month, I think. So if we review the results from April, it started with a 4-0, or 4-1, sorry, hammering away at City, a 0-0 with Chelsea and Arsenal, the 2-2 draw at home, which finished that week. Then followed by a 6-1 humiliation for Leeds at Elland Road. The 3-2 win at Forest, or with Forest visiting us, I should say. A West Ham away victory in that horrendous technical kit and is finished with a super Sunday against Spurs in an absolutely manic 4-3 victory. I mean, dear God, Mark, what a hell of a month, really. I mean, (laughs) how are we even going to say what are our honest reflections on this month, realistically? Mental. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough month to uh, to assess as a whole. I mean, an unusually large amount of games for a start in the in the Premier League. But I don't know if this is just recency bias from me. But I think overall, I'm going to call it a good month. I, I think um, obviously it started in really really difficult way. A way to say pretty much no more difficult fixture than that in the Premier League, and it it didn't go well. It didn't go well. That's fair. Yeah. To say. And uh, that was followed by an equally poor performance at Chelsea, where we we were, it was one of for me one of the most painful ones to watch this season. We were we were just really really bad against against not a good side in Chelsea. If we're honest, I mean, it's one thing losing to to City, you know that can happen even in your best years, but in this year with how poor Chelsea are, to go there and honestly be lucky to get away with a draw is. Uh, yeah. It just isn't isn't good, is it? It's that you know, it's not where we need to be. Um, but then things started to turn around a little bit at Arsenal after finding ourselves two 0 down. 
we uh, we had a pretty spirited comeback. I know you were at that one, and I remember talking to you after it. You sort of came home pretty buoyed from that game, here, yeah. which, which I think kind of sums up how how we should have felt coming out of it because at two 0 down and on the back of those two poor games that had come before, you know, it would have been really easy to to kind of give up and capitulate against Arsenal, who had everything to play for. Um, we didn't, you know, we we found we found another level. We we upped our game. There was maybe the beginning of the sort of tactical changes that have gone on to to, to deliver what was for me ultimately a good month. And Trent kind of pushing a little further forward, and we we looked a little more dangerous, a little more capable of scoring. And like you said, with the results we've had, you know, we did that. We went on to score a bucket load of goals really as the month went on. And for me, the Arsenal game was kind of where that began and uh, yeah I mean in the end truth be told we probably should have went on to win that game I mean there was the Salah missed penalty Tanati's missed I don't even know what you would call it is is missed (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and yeah I mean yeah actually I came out of that one disappointed that we didn't win we then we go on to the Leeds United game we absolutely dismantle them goals flying in from our forwards Trent getting another couple of assists after getting one against Arsenal. Um, really starting to, you know, think that we've perhaps turned a corner, but we've uh, we've dangerously thought that in the past and been wrong. Uh, we go on to Forest and in a pretty scrappy affair, we uh, we, we beat Forest three two and yeah, and another couple of goals from Jota. Salah gets one, another Trent assist and. You know, this, there's a sort of pattern starting to appear there. Forwards are getting goals. Salah's uh, certainly in about it. Jota's in about it. Trent's getting assists pretty much every single week. And uh, that story continues again at West Ham. Another tight victory. We just just kind of get over the line. I don't know if the, if these are like, if, if we're riding our luck or if it's, you know, kind of, if we're creating something to kind of get behind a little bit of momentum and, and it, yeah. Enough to sort of build and get us over the line, um, but we but we seem to get in that sort of knack. We're not we weren't winning these heavily, but we're 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 just getting the job done, kind of thing, doing whatever was needed. And then uh, we we go into the next one at West Ham, and yeah, we we just we narrowly get over that one. We had Gakpo with a cracking goal in that one, and uh, and Matip ultimately. Getting the uh, getting the all important one again. There were moments in that one where we rode our luck. There was there was the Bowen disallowed goal where Van Dijk yeah. turned inside out a little, and uh, you know VR goes in our favour in that case. And like you said, the month ends with a Super Sunday to to be all Super Sundays at Anfield, which uh, you and I were at, and I mean, just an incredible game. Started off with uh, roaring into the league. 14 minutes in, we're 3-0 up. I don't know if you remember that one against Arsenal years ago um, where we scored five like in yeah. rapid speed. I had that kind of feel for me, that one. You know, we were... We, we, I, I was thinking, you know, the United game still kind of fresh in the mind. I was thinking, where are we going here? You know, what's the, what's the final number going to be? But um, in the opposite to kind of the Arsenal game earlier in the month, our... Our form just flipped the other way, and we we just stopped playing altogether. We uh, it was pretty obvious for me for about twenty five minutes in 
that we just weren't there anymore. We weren't playing. We didn't have uh, we didn't have the bit between our teeth, and we were kind of just waiting the game out, hoping just to get over the line at three 0 And one goal by goal, they kind of chipped away at us, and until that ninety uh, third minute equaliser for them, from uh, yeah, just absolute. Uh, deflation in in the crowd. You, you can't, it was one of those where you felt it coming. You, you were just desperately hoping yeah. it wouldn't come, and uh, when it did, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have any hope of a winner at that stage. We were already well into extra time, so when Jota sunk that one right at the death, it was just magnificent. One of the one of the best finishes I've had the pleasure of being at in a football match. It just, it, I mean, you know yourself how it felt in the crowd. It was yeah. one of those you got swept away. I ended up a couple of rows ahead of myself, just uh, getting picked off the ground by other fans. It was it was unbelievable. Really, really was. So I, I think kind of to to summarise that, the reason I'm saying it's a it's a good month rather than just an average one or a mixed one, as is usually the case with us this season, is because I kind of think some of the things that we saw this month were kind of tactical changes, you know, that reasons for why it got better rather than just kind of playing the same thing every week and hoping it would improve. Some of those critical changes Klopp's made, um, the Trent one in particular, which I'm sure we'll come on to more, uh, have been critical, you know, in the, in the, the newfound form, as well as the forwards have all come to the party, which... In a month where we didn't see much Darwin, that that that's really really positive that all of the others came to the party in such a big way. I mean, we, we kind of expect it from Salah, but all the others really really delivered this month for me. And having Diaz back obviously helped helped you know immeasurably as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't know if you agree with that or not. What, what do you think? Good month, mixed month, average month. Probably. Do you know what's crazy to say? A little bit of all of the above so to speak I mean Are you that person who has everything the coolest merch and those must have fan threads well over at our Anfield Index shop we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection from our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts sweaters hoodies and hats to our signature edition mugs prints and coasters all provided with fast worldwide shipping we have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I remember when we talked about it last month, we said if we're going to get Champions League by any chance, that that first week was crucial, didn't we? That yeah. City, Chelsea, Arsenal week. That's, you know, three big games, three big teams. We've got to come out well from that. And at the end of the day, we came out with two points out of nine, which is pretty bad when you, know, when you look at it, everything contended, especially like you said it. I mean, City... Beatles, I kind of expected that. It probably just illuminated how big the gap was really between the two. It didn't really necessarily shine a light on anything we didn't know. Yeah, I think, I think the nature of how how expected the City one was kind of stopped it from being too painful, I think. I really didn't go in holding much hope into that one. Whereas the Arsenal and the Chelsea ones, you know, I still 
I still, I mean, Chelsea, because of their league position on Arsenal, because it was at Anfield, I still thought we would win both of those, if I'm, you know, deeply honest. It, that's the thing, like, you, you said it right, that Chelsea game, I mean, if they had one player that could stick the ball in the actual net, we'd have lost that easily. You know, we were pretty terrible that night. Christ knows how we came out with a nil-nil. And even that Arsenal game, it, it literally was the ultimate tale of two halves. We were absolutely hopeless the first half. We couldn't get near them. I mean, we were lucky just to be 2-0 down at one stage. And then all of a sudden, like we said, that second half, it was just a barrage of like red attack after red attack. We literally pinned them and maybe over-exaggerating it, but I just felt like that was the half that Trent really got to grips with that position, that six in the double pivot, you know, really came to the party. And then after that, I don't know, and I might be wrong on this, but there's a bit of me just kind of thought, have the players even written the top four off after that? Let's just play and see what happens, so to speak. Even Klopp talked that way. And since then, you look at that Leeds, Forest, West Ham, Spurs, the thing they have in common is we're banging in goals. There's no two ways about it. We've changed that setup, we've changed that formation, we've banged in goals. You know, Trent's running the show. Those are the two biggest things. On the other side, the trade-off for that is, let's be honest, there ain't no clean sheets in those games and we are brutally <laughs> exposed. And, and there could have been a lot more goals against us than there were. Yeah. If we're honest, there were the huge chances. We, you know, Alisson had a, a lot of big saves. There was a lot of big misses. There was a lot of big VAR calls. Just as close as somebody there, the post helped us out, I mean, three or four times. Yeah. It could have been worse than it was. And And that's it. And it kind of feels to me we're like, we're that team at the moment who's just going for it a little bit because we're not chasing the title or the big prizes, aren't we? You know, you, you don't win any big titles that way. You've got to have a good defence if you want to win the ultimate prizes. But there's always those teams who, who you know, we're about the Champions League places around that type of thing, who can bang in goals, but they've got a bit of a soft centre. And that's us at the moment. Let's be honest, like Sunday was the ultimate reflection of the month for me. There were some brilliant moments. The forwards were devastating. Then we could not defend for Toffee. The mentality was wrong at times as well. Because as we said, you can't just switch it off and then switch it on. Football at the top level does not work that way. As soon as you drop that even 1%, you are bang in trouble, even against the team like Tottenham of all teams. Fortunately, the thing that saved us is Spurs remembered they were Spurs at the end. And obviously we are just <laughs> that team. We are just yeah. that team capable of that little bit of magic at the end occasionally. So we got out of jail. So, yeah, literally, I think probably that's my reflection. A small start. There's the bit from the Arsenal second half was the turning point. Probably the Trent move, the new setup was big. And we've just gone for the let's bang in the goals, ride our look at the back and just see what happens type of thing. And do you know what? Klopp's talked about rhythm momentum that type of stuff hasn't he so let's just ride the wave till the end and see what happens because I don't think we think I mean I'll ask you I I know I'm honest about it I think Champions League is well and truly gone forget it type of thing do you maintain any hope in the tank at all I don't anymore I'm afraid I I think um, our form is good enough that there could have been hope but unfortunately United and Newcastle just they're you know they're winning every single game they have to now they're passing every test into pass and 
the games are running out rapidly. I mean, it would need something extraordinary now. They'd have to lose, you know, three, four on the bounce at this stage, and we'd have to win them all to to topple them. So, no, I think that would be really unrealistic at this stage. It's just a shame that our form has come, you, you know, this late because um, the, the key for me is that, like, the changes they've made tactically could have been made at an earlier stage. Yeah. And maybe we would have found ourselves in the fight if, you know, if even if we'd found it three or four games earlier. Um, because in particular against the lower half teams, I think this system really is paying off for us, you know. We're, we're, we now look devastating, and I just can't see those teams outscoring us the way maybe some of the better teams could. And I think we would have found ourselves with a lot less draws if uh, if we'd been playing with this system, you know, for at least for the second half of the season, even. Um, yes. Yeah, I think ultimately it comes too late, and uh, and no, we're we're, we're just we're going to fall short. I, I do think we'll more than likely finish fifth now. Um, I still, I think our form will be the best of those around us, but not, not enough to get in there. Yeah, agreed. That is what I'm leaning towards. And positive. Let's. You, you talked about positives. Let's be positive this time, because normally when we talk about the high <laughs> and the low of the month, we're trying to scramble for a high. When in, listen, we've done one in March and February time, where we're happy we've got draws and things like that. But we have got some genuine highs this month, as well as the standard lows. So. When you look back at April, what is your sort of peak and trough of the month? What are you reflecting on as the biggest high, the biggest low that way? Well, we'll, we'll start with the high. The, the the obvious high is the Jota winner. It was it, it was an unbelievable moment that it really was. It was one of those uh, this is why I love football moments. You know that it was it, nothing else in life delivers that kind of high. Think of like any other time in your life where a single thing out with your control can happen and it will make you scream at the top of your lungs with joy and, you know, hug guys that you don't know and, you know, all these different things, high five everybody you can reach. It's uh, it, it was really just a spectacular culmination of everything I love about football that it really was there was like a poetry to it being Spurs and it happened to them after they just thought they'd done it to us I loved it being Jota I loved the way he took the goal the the actual goal itself was brilliant the cam celebration just everything around that goal was so so perfect um it, it would be really hard to there isn't even a challenger this month for a moment as 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 good as that one in my opinion what do you think literally the only thing I am disappointed about with this whole scenario is Sunday is we both follow things on Twitter. Why has anyone not put the last minute of the game to the Titanic music compilation? They have. They have. It's out there. I, uh, is it? I, I have most definitely stumbled across that in the last couple of days. I'll see if I can fish it out for you later. So it's definitely out there somewhere. That is. <laughs> I mean, just just the whole moment or that minute of, or even the two three minutes of Richarlison, the absolute pleb with his yeah, yeah. of his celebration. I don't, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that's the rival to Jota scoring is the still of Richarlison with his hands on his head just after having collected his shirt. <laughs> just abs- as much as we were like limbs at that point in the cot, just the absolute majesticness of that. Last minute, that scene where there's literally the cop going wild and the Charleston with his head, you know, his hands in his head. But just honestly, I can't even say how sort of brilliant that was. And there was a bit of me thought, 
at that that moment, the the relief of what we've got away with, let's be honest a little bit, how we've escaped that get out of jail free moment. But there is no better way to win it. That was even more enjoyable than like a 6-0 hammering, you know, a 7-0 hammering, which we thought it would be after 15 minutes. It is just the perfect way to end the game. So I also thought for all the good the good bits, like the Leeds victory and everything, there's not even another contender for me for high of the month. Yeah, there really is to be honest. However, we've got to go the other end. What was your low point? Yeah, so again, like we've already touched on, there were a few low points. I mean, the City game generally, as much as I said, because we expected it, it wasn't as painful. It's still never nice to be that comfortably beaten by the team that we've been chasing, essentially, for five years now. Yeah. I mean, to see the distance between us quality-wise, which is undoubtable, really. That that wasn't good. Can't say I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, the Chelsea game I found really frustrating, if I'm honest, really, really frustrating because, I mean, there's not even an excuse against them. They just aren't a good side and they were better than us. I really yeah. it was starting to feel helpless at that time. Um, and then the, the third one actually comes about 60 seconds before the high moment, which is the, the equaliser against Spurs. I, I, I was properly dejected when that third goal went in. Felt so like helpless and inevitable waiting for it to happen. You kind of felt it coming the whole kind of the 60 minutes after after we had taken the, the three goal lead. It was just building up to this slow, painful car crash happening kind of in real time. And uh, and yeah, when it finally did go in for them, that that would have been up there. I mean I think if I'm honest, of all of them, that probably was the lowest moment of my month that when the third goal goes in for Spurs. It's it's crazy that when that third goal went in, I thought back on this today. It not at the time, but looking back as how would I describe that moment? Do you remember mm. Roy Keane said about that team talk when United were three nil down at Spurs and then went on to win five three in the yeah, end? Yeah, yeah. And Roy Keane said they went to the dressing room and went, lads. It's fucking Spurs, for God's sake. And there was, there was that bit where it went three all. I was thinking, how would I sum that up? And I was like, yeah, just to scream on the pitch like, lads, it's Spurs, for God's sake. But, but at, at the same time, maybe someone just thought for the last minute, maybe Jota was thinking, it is Spurs. Like, there's always a sniff, always a chance. So, yeah, it, it, it could have been horrendous. Maybe Jota's, obviously, winner raises that for me are still in the grand context of the season, even going back to Fulham and how it's been almost panic stations since day one. That City defeat, we expected to lose, but we were hoping to be, for me anyway, respectable, if that makes sense. The gulf was massive. And 4-1 wasn't an unfair, you know, an unfair reflection on the day. Even after Salah got the opener, we were well and truly outclassed. I thought we were hopeless at times as well. You know, City City dropped to our third gear, shall we say, late on as well. You know, just knocked it around us like a train. And they, we were getting all laid. Do you know what I mean? So that, to me, is a real low point because it just, just said to me, like, look at the gulf. Look at where we've been, the highs of last season to the lows there. But at the same time, we won't dwell on it too long because... It has been a recent positive term, so we will try and bring a bit of the feel-good factor to the month of April. And this one, got to be honest, Mark, for once, 
we can actually talk about contenders where we don't just have to say, thank God for Alison each week. Do you know what I mean? We can actually talk about players in the player of the month options and contenders. So this will be a bit of an interesting discussion, actually, because I suspect you're going to get this wildly wrong, but we're going to have to see. <laughs> so with everything said, there is candidates here, let's be honest. There's definitely, definitely candidates. I mean, for the first time in um, probably all the months we've been doing this, Alison doesn't make my list, which I think is a positive. Like you said, that, that, that tells you a little bit about how the month went. So I'll give you my three candidates and then uh, and then the winner. So three, well, four candidates, I suppose. Three, the three runners-up and then the winner. So runner-up number one is Curtis Jones. I think he has had a really, maybe his best month ever for Liverpool there. I think in, in a kind of a non-glamorous way, he's come into the midfield and, and filled something we've been lacking for a long long time to be honest he's he's run really really well he's covering all the spaces he's very rarely losing the ball as past success percentages the, the highest in the team almost every single time he plays unreal he's uh yeah i mean you, you just didn't really i couldn't have predicted that coming into the month of april i really couldn't i just didn't see that in the future for curtis it seemed for so long that they'd been trying, you know, all these different variations in midfield, and he seemed to be right at the bottom of all of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted for him. I really am because he looks like he really enjoyed the month, you know, and kind of finishing off with the goal there against uh, Spurs. I think that kind of summed up what was just a really, really good month for Curtis Jones. So, massive yeah. credit to him, but just not enough to win it. Next up is Jota, who uh, had gone a whole year without scoring Jota. So breaking that duct and going on to score a bunch of goals in the month and again finishing with a really, really important one against Spurs, he must be absolutely over the moon with his month, considering how the previous 12 had gone. Third up is Gakpo. I thought he, for the first time since we've signed him, I think he has cemented his place now as kind of the, the centre forward in certainly in the system that we're playing. He seems the he, he seems kind of a, a shoe in for uh, the starting eleven at the moment. He's not only getting a little bit better every single time he plays; he's chipping in with goals and assists pretty much every week now in a forward line that are that are doing the same all around him. And uh, there's there's just been a little bit in his stature where I think he's kind of starting to feel the part. You know, his chest looks a little bit more pumped out every time he plays. He looks a little bit more up for it. I've I've really liked reading some of the stuff Klopp's been saying about him, kind of in that vein that he's that, that he's kind of really building into the role and taking it up for his own kind of thing. And uh, yeah, so very pleased for him. I think he's had another good month and uh in what has been a decent you know couple of months spell for him generally yeah the winner for me by a margin is Trent I think Trent has been sensational this month particularly since the positional chains I mean it's it's one of those old sort of cliches where he's been like a new signing you know it's like it's like we signed a new midfielder for me it's and, and not just any midfielder you know it's People have always kind of joked about, you know, it's like having Kevin De Bruyne at right back. Well, now it's kind of like having Kevin De Bruyne in midfield, you know, just like Kevin De Bruyne. He's uh, he's dictated most of the good things we've done since the Arsenal game for me. 
He's assisted in every single game since the Arsenal game, which is phenomenal. And uh, he's looked pretty much a danger every single time he gets on the ball. He sees things other people don't see. His passing range has been fantastic. But it's not just that that's been impressive. It's it's kind of the whole package. It's the the positional sense. It's how comfortable he's been with his back to goal, with with driving onto the ball, with wanting possession. It's literally everything. He looks like a midfielder. If again, like I really, really didn't see that coming for him. You and I have discussed this in the past, and you'd sort of said a few times that you thought maybe he could have been a midfielder. And I, you know, I disagreed with you. We argued about it a lot, and my logic was kind of nobody ever really does that. Nobody really comes out of being a good fullback into being mm-hmm. an excellent centre midfielder. And if they do, it's maybe in the kind of defensive midfield role where they're a bit of a destroyer, you know, it's never yeah. to be like an absolute dictator of play, uh, the, the guy who's getting the assists every single time you play. I, I can't think of a single example of that ever. You know, people say things like, well, Gerard started right back. He didn't really, if we're honest. You know, he, he was shooed into the team just to get some games. Trent's well into his career now and an established right back. To move into midfield and to be doing what he's doing and not just not just doing it, but doing it immediately. You know, the change happened in the Arsenal game and it's every single game since then that he's been assisting. And it's, it's incredible that really is it. I don't think you can say enough good things about not just what Trent's done, but also Klopp in finding that role for him because it's, we obviously, we do get a lot of questions about ourselves defensively and Klopp's taken a chance there by, you know, effectively removing one of the four, pressing mm. to midfield and yeah. uh, and leaving us exposed down there. You know, really tough month for uh, Kanati down there trying to trying to get to grips with that. You, you know, you see, there's a lot of space, a lot of big void there to be filled when Trent finds himself higher up. But Klopp kind of knowingly did that, knowing the qualities that Trent possesses and, and how it could unlock the offensive part of our game and it just has, you know, in spades, we've got four against Spurs, two at West Ham, three against Forest, six against Leeds, and two against Arsenal since that change. I mean, it's, it's, those are amazing numbers going forward. They just are. And I think most people would, would accept Trent is the very most key part of the change that has brought those goals. Yeah, there's, I agree with the majority of that. I think. Yeah, the, the one thing I'd probably say is Trent is the winner for me. Absolutely. I think I, I don't want to repeat things we said there, but that change since the second half of Arsenal, he is running games. He is almost our key player quite often. And in a season where we've lambasted some of the midfield options, you know, the lack of options, the lack of almost creativity and goals, he has made that whole middle area tick at times. Curtis Jones, as you said, honourable mention without doubt and plays his part very, very well, knows his role very, very well. But Trent is the maestro in there. He really has been brilliant for us. Jota is an interesting one because it's almost since Leeds Jota's shown up and he has got some big goals, especially on Sunday. There's no two ways about it, but probably not enough to be the top one for me. The one again, and this... It doesn't bug me, but it just mystifies me a little bit as well. When we look at the month as a whole, Mo Salah has got six 
calls. And even yeah. when we were terrible, who got yeah. you know, who got the opener against City? And he didn't even make my list. Yeah, do you know what I mean? The opener against Arsenal. Like, look at those games we've just talked about. Mo Salah has had a huge effect on those. And it's just mental. I, I always think he's always almost going to be that player that if anyone else has a brilliant month, it's easy to slip into the taking for granted column type of thing. So, I mean, that, that's exactly what's just happened right there. I mean, if you look at it, you know, the way you just laid it down there, of course he belongs on the candidate Of course he does. But it's just because it's more sour and he does it every single month for us. Um, he's so easy to overlook, which is terrible because, you know, and in the month where he became our, what, sixth highest all-time goal scorer, he's now just a yeah. couple or a fifth Um you know, more records falling, the most left-footed goals, all these different things, scored winners, scored in almost every game. I mean, yeah, he, uh, he's just unbelievable, Mo Salah. He's, he's, all, he's so good that it's it's not fair to him to, you know, to to leave him out of these lists. And yet he does get left out time and again. It's, yeah, crazy. I mean, like 28 goals already in a struggling team that's had a bad season. But I think it is fair to say Trent, has really swept it. And we're almost, you look at April in that way. If if Mo Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold have been on form, it's been brilliant news for Liverpool, hasn't it? Simple as that. When those two are functioning well in the same game, the odds tell you it's going to be a good result. So Yeah, I, th- I think if you threw Van Dijk into that as kind of the third guy that would be at the top of his game, that's almost the the difference between turning it from decent form to kind of like how you get back into being a title contender, you know, that right through the middle of the team there, if they were all at it, I think that would have that would have been yeah. the difference for us kind of thing. Yeah, and probably it's funny you mention him because we are going to talk about sort of the th- if we combine them together, we talked about the trend changes there, the new system, Curtis and those bits as well. Probably Virgil was coming into to my thinking, but when I talk about hopes and fears, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest about this and I'll see what you reckon. When I talk about the hopes, you know, you said about the attackers, you know, the, the front three even, this is the thing, I'm, I'm quite big on this at the moment, and I could be well and truly proved wrong, but a front three of Gappa in the middle, Salah on the right, obviously, and Lewis Diaz on the left. And I know, listen, we've just been praising Jota and Amy as a candidate, which seems absolutely mental, I get. But, hopes-wise, is that not the closest front three to the originals, i.e. Bobby and Mane at their peak? Is not that not the closest Jurgen Klopp can feel to that? And by default, do you get the feeling that that could be the favourite front three, if that's the right phrase going forward, or do you disagree on that? No, I, I do agree. Um, I, th- I think the the thing for me is that I think what Klopp has kind of done here at the close of the season is revert to a little bit more of what he was used to, where the midfields become kind of quite workmanlike with, with what Jones's new role in there type thing. Yeah. He's now gone back to kind of having a forward who drops a little bit deeper, you know, and maybe gives that little extra assistance in midfield the way Bobby would have. And Diaz is definitely a lot closer to kind of the job Manny would have been doing than either Nunes or Jota would be on that side. So I think the reason for it is definitely kind of to find rhythm and, and just that kind of 
consistency and form and kind of build on the momentum. I don't know if that necessarily means that that's what Klopp will do, you know, going into next season. Because I still think there are a lot of questions about will this work long term and I don't think it particularly suits Robbo at left back now that he can't kind of go forward as much. Don't because he he sort of tucks in now a little bit, you know, and becomes yeah. that third centre back. And I don't think that's really the role for Robbo. I think Kanati, while he's dealt with it pretty well, and his attributes suit it pretty well, you know, the pace that he's got and the physicality. I also think in some ways he had quite a tough month. Now. That might be being a little bit harsh because, you know, against Forrest, he was up against um, the, the lad used to play for us. Yeah. I won't even dare try and pronounce it. And uh, I, I thought he had a really tough game there. He obviously had the, the error that led to the goal against Leeds. And just a few times throughout the month, I felt like he was stretched a little bit. Now, he generally did play well and, you know, deal with all the things that came with him. And I, I really like Kanati. I think he's a fantastic player. But I think you're asking quite a lot of him to, to play that role consistently over a season, both physically, you know, just simply having to cover that ground, do those extra sprints, get into those big tackles and big scuffles all the time, all over the park. Um, but also it kind of pulls him a wee bit further away from Virgil as well. And then we all know, you know, Van Dijk's not having the season that he, that we've come to expect of him essentially he's definitely down on his you know down on his form inconsistent call it what you like he's uh yeah. he's clearly not the you know prime van dyke and i don't know if it necessarily helps him any to stretch the defense that way either so I, i'm not entirely convinced that we will go into next season playing like this especially because i you know really well documented we're clearly going to rebuild the midfield anyway so maybe the things that has led him to put Trent in the midfield because of what we lack in midfield won't be lacking, you know, ultimately after the rebuild. I think there's there's plenty question marks over it, but I, I maybe don't see that we'll be strong enough defensively in the system to, to play it over a whole year. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I did think about this. And it is, literally is a tale of two areas of the pitch for me in my biggest fears that this is made for the attack, this system, isn't it? They're functioning, they're getting sure, chances, yeah. they're banging in. Brilliant for them. The word I thought about for the defence is the ones who have to stay there, and I'm talking about the key three because it, it's Robbo, Ibu and Virgil. Exposed was the word I thought about. Robbo being asked to do things that, it's not that he can't defend, that would be wrong to say, but it's being asked to do a lot more than he's used to and playing a, a possibly unnatural role, very different to what he's used to play for us, Scotland, all those types of things. So yeah. almost like a third centre-back, isn't he? Like a left-sided centre-back quite often, which isn't really his game when I'm not sure plays it's not, strength. You, so you end up having to win a lot of stuff in the air, you know, playing that yeah. or tucked in role, and that really doesn't suit him. Even Aburi found himself, you know, in quite a few aerial battles that were difficult. Kind of going back to our, our peak days, you know, maybe it was Matip or whoever next to Van Dijk, we were really aerially strong, you know, and dominant in those areas. And I just, I think, I don't think Abui, he's not weak in there by any stretch, but I think he's better physically and on the ground and with his pace than he is, you know, as, as a dominant header of the ball. So um, having him and Robo as the two kind of next to Van Dyke, there's definitely things to, to tweak and think about there. 
Yeah, and listen, Ibu is a, a monster. You know, the, the potential's huge, but again, it's probably back to that word. I think he's been exposed, and especially with Trent's positional change. I mean, Ibu said this in an interview, isn't he, that almost as a, a joking one, he sometimes has to remind Trent, you know, you have got responsibilities still at times to, to come back. I can't mark sort of two people yeah. type of thing. And there is real pressure on Ibu. So naturally, like you said, there's, there's been a few mistakes of his own making, but there is a lot more being asked at the same time. And that goes against the ultimate backdrop for me. I mean, we saw that Jonathan Norcroft interview in the Sunday Times that he did with Virgil. Virgil, being completely honest, you know, his form has been well off this yeah. season. You know, he's completely honest about it. And that's sort of the, the ultimate underlying thing for me because... We know Van Dijk has been that magnificent in recent months. If he was playing well all the time, the rest would take care of itself. Prime Van Dijk almost takes care of a lot of this system, doesn't he, at the back anyway, because he mops up, he does the things. But the fear for me is, and time's going to tell on this because I'm not really sure a little bit, but that back three, if we want to call it that, or the remaining members of a back four, however you want to describe it, they just seem, A, a bit exposed. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. And B, I'm not really sure the way they are at the moment, this system. Not only does it not play to their strengths, I think it highlights their weaknesses or where, you know, you have a few concerns about them. So it will be interesting to see, like you said, going forward, longer-term personnel changes, what it means realistically. But there's plenty to be hopeful about, but there's plenty that... You're just keeping concerns on the docket, so to speak, for that. So, yeah, the, the, probably the one thing we haven't talked about really, which you were just about to touch on there, is certainly like the personnel changes. Was was if we signed a new defensive midfielder, how would yeah. that look with the with the back three? You know, someone much more leggy than Fabinho finds himself now. You know, someone that can really cover those spaces, fill in for Trent, maybe fill in for Robbo when he has to, or even just straight back into the middle of the two centre-backs, you know, maybe that is what this is lacking defensively to allow us to carry on with Trent in that role. I don't know. Yeah, and, and, and I'm still not even sure when I talk about going forward, and I know we're going to talk about this, a right-back, a defend, you know, what, what you, another midfielder, what you do with Trent, so to speak, I really don't know 100%. And listen, I would love to say, like, I saw this coming, as you mentioned, about me moving into midfield, I never expected Trent to be this good in an attacking sense, you know, and a domination on the game, like you said, a, another De Bruyne type. However, that does come with a, 
maybe a lack of protection, if that's the right way, as you said, Fabinho yeah. isn't as mobile. So there's still plenty, plenty to work on or consider there. But on the pitch, as a whole, people, it has been a largely positive month. So let's take that <laughs> off the pitch. It's never dull with Liverpool, is it, Mark? Off the pitch, there is loads being talked about. I mean, we've got the the John W. Henry meeting. Actually came over for a game, didn't he? West Ham away, so he's in the London offices. Jurgen Klopp confirmed he had the meeting with him as well the day before. There's been talk of investment, but there's still nothing concrete, which I said, I've got to be honest, I said I thought there would be something more tangible we'd hear in April. And the likes of Alex Miller and the Mail, James... Pierce has even been tweeting, you know, that they're hearing things, that there is real expectations for the summer, but there isn't anything tangible. We can't lie about that. And the one thing there is, which we're going to have to speak about, is players being linked. But we need to talk about players being linked a bit separately because naturally there's there's rumours and there's credibility, which we need to talk about, which maybe is a positive there does seem to be. So we'll break those down one by one. I mean, first of all, I know they're not your favourite people, so I love opening with this. FSG, they had the meeting with Jurgen Klopp, John W. Henry. I pretty much reckon I know what the answer will be. But is this the precursor, the start to a big window, big players coming in? Or is this another false dawn time? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want to bore people with FSG's rap sheet of not spending over over all of the years they've been with us, but that certainly is the the way it has been. There does seem to be a different feel about things this summer. I would admit that there does, you know, the, the amount of people we're being linked to, credibly to get three or four of them, our spend is going to exceed what it has done in previous years. You and I actually yeah. going on as as well. You know that um, of of what the the eventual spend will be, and we'll we'll see who comes out on top of that, but. I do think whether it's through investment or the lack of spend, particularly in the last couple of years, that we're going to see a heavier spend this summer. I don't think there's much doubt about that. I mean, we average you know something like fifty million a year, yeah, twenty-five million a window generally. I'm pretty sure we're going to blow that out the water. I think you know it'll be much closer to the hundred million um, kind of net spend when when all is said and done than 25, the usual kind of one-window spend. Um, I, I kind of like the way we seem to be going about it this time, the, the, as far as links are concerned. You know, we've seen a lot of names popping up, multiple in each position. Feels like we're kind of spreading ourselves a little bit this time rather than the previous policy, which, you know, in some cases has, has gone really well for us to kind of that's our guy, we're waiting for him, we'll do anything, he's the one, him or nothing. Um, that that was working for us for a long time in the sort of, you know, the Allison and uh, Van Dyke moulds. But in in more recent history, you know, it, it, it hasn't been ultimately. We lost yeah. too many last summer and ended up with, with nothing ultimately. Um, it felt like Bellingham was going to be that this summer and potentially would have ended up with nothing and I think they've kind of decided that all eggs in one basket is not the way to play it, especially when our budget isn't that of other teams. You know, we can't maybe yeah. offer the wages other teams can. It's maybe naive to think that, you know, someone will just choose us just because it's us. Um, so I get the feeling they're they're making sure they don't mess this one up 
they're making sure that the the first target doesn't come in at you know right center midfield. Well, there's a second one and a third one this time, and one of them's coming, sort of thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree largely with that. I did think as well. People say, "Why is John W. Henry over?" Probably because Jurgen's told him we need to spend a hundred million pounds, so he's just probably <laughs> needed his angina spray, hasn't he? Type of thing. And thought, <laughs> we're going to have to chat about this seriously. But yeah, I'd rather tell it go to his face. <laughs> exactly, and ultimately, we've got a, a Chinese family banquet on this, so we will see long term. This is a very important point. I do get the impression with the links, the things that are going on, and credible links i think that's important to say this isn't just a random site this is credible journalists credible stories you know from various areas linking us with certain players i do really expect it to be and i'll leave this as an open quote shall we say a big window a big summer and i'll let people put their interpretations on that because as Jurgen Klopp maybe said it will never be big enough or enough for certain people so yeah, i think that's we'll see fair, what yeah. brings this this is a question for you. So there is multiple links, and there is a lot, as we said, there's credibility, the serious, respected, you know, renowned journalists behind a lot of these. The ones that you look at so far, I mean, there, there is quite a few, and we're not going to go through them all. Which of those do you think that is the most credible for me? As in, if I said to you, nail one to the mask right now through credibility, who you think there's a, you know, the real serious likelihood of walking through the doors at the AXA, who are you pinpointing right now? Yeah, so, I mean, if you were kind of doing them in categories or whatever, I think that the most credible category for me is is Mount Ugarte, McAllister and Gravenberg. I think they're the, they're the kind of ones that credible sources have picked them out each. Ugarte won more more from uh, the Portuguese side than here, but the others from from pretty credible sources here. I think those are the ones that they're maybe furthest down the line of. It doesn't mean you know that I think all of them or even half of them will come, but I think they are making serious attempts with all of them. I kind of believe that we are genuinely speaking to all of those clubs about all of those players. Um, I still think Mason Mount. I said it last month, and I still think Mason Mount is the most likely one. I get the feeling that most of the legwork's done on that one. It's just kind of a, if nothing changes, that one's happening sort of deal. Um, the Ugarte one, I'd be really, I would be really pleased if we got that one in because I think, like we were talking about tactically, you know, I think that defensive midfield role is the one I really want to see us get right this summer. I think that's the one yeah. that kind of unlock us again. And I love what I see from him. I really do. I think he's just the ticket. He can play. He's so athletic. I just think he would suit us down to the ground. Um, so I hope that one. Uh, I hope that one comes off. You know, from my understanding, we're maybe not favourites on that one, but you never know with Liverpool. You know, they 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 can do these things quietly, and then all of a sudden, bang, it's done tomorrow, sort of thing. Uh, the McAllister one, I love him as well. I think he would be another really really great signing. It's already kind of time proven if you you know, if you like that sort of a uh, cliche. Um, and then the Scraven Birch, I think he is a high ceiling sort of signing, you know, a low cost, high ceiling. Yes. Yeah. A lot of positives in that one. Um, but I get the feeling he's maybe not first pick. He's one of the ones they're going to take if the, if the first guy in that position doesn't come off kind of thing. Uh, and then I guess you go down to the kind of next tier of credibility, 
maybe not credibility, more affordability, I suppose, would probably be the right term, which is Bellingham and Caicedo for me. I think we clearly love them both. I think if money was no object, they might both find themselves in the kind of category one signing yeah. box. But because they are so expensive, I tend to think maybe neither come in reality. Certainly Caicedo, I think, um, seems to have cooled down. I still think the Bellingham thing has some legs. I still think there's some level of negotiating tactic kind of among it all. I think, you know, if they did come down to maybe what Liverpool and Dortmund had kind of talked about previously fee-wise, there would be space for a deal to be done there. Whether whether Dortmund are serious or not, whether we are, I guess we'll find out. But I, I, do, I don't think it's as dead as, as, you know, those stories that broke last month um, suggest. And then there's the the bottom kind of category of guys whose names have appeared credibly, but are much less talked about. The kind of Lavias, the two Rams, all those sort of guys. There's quite a few on yeah. that bottom list, uh, but none of them maybe mentioned in the the same quantity as the rest. If you had to, uh, if you had to pin one to your mask, who do you go? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I asked the questions here, and we'll come <laughs> on to. We will come on to the lightning round at the end because just for to set the scene, if anyone's heard Mark or anyone knows Mark, Mark hates giving one-word answer to questions. He loves giving the context and details. So he's going to want to claw the skin off his own face when we come to the lightning round at the end. Yeah, but we will, grill each, we will grill each other and we will put people on the spot because we're getting towards that time, ladies and gents, where... We can all speculate, but let's see whose speculation. Or am I hearing you? Right? You're too frightened to to pin your pin your flag to the mast. You you don't want to claim one. Not frightened, my friend at all. Just ready to humiliate you later on and in the future. <laughs> so not frightened one bit. So we will see on that one. But I think that is a, a fair summary. I do think it could be wildly wrong. It will be. It's after how you put this. It's a big window for Liverpool. But I know I was going to say, well, Chelsea spent this and other clubs, like you said, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't mean it won't be a big window for Liverpool in terms of the spend. I think there's some really credible links. Uh, what I love, and it's almost too little too late for some people, I get that argument, I completely understand it, but we're finally going about it the right way. We've, we've abandoned the eggs in one basket, you know, top target or nothing type of thing that we've had in recent seasons. We have gone for, there's not just a plan B, there's a plan C, D and E, isn't there, this summer? That's what it's leading towards. And I really like that in terms of, do you want to play for Liverpool? Here's the offer. We will try to get that deal done. But if anyone messes around, be it club, player, agent, we move on swiftly. There's other fish in the sea, so to speak. So I do like we're adopting that approach. But yeah, I totally agree. Gives you confidence that we are going to get the quantity that we need in this summer, you know, yeah. rather than just being left, you know, standing with nothing, essentially. I agree. And probably the one thing I did want to talk about off the field, because there was a big, not a hoo-ha, but a lot of talk about this. And Jurgen Klopp was pretty strong on it in his presses about the changes to his pre-season format. So the Reds are going to, to Singapore, but they're doing it a specific way. He's been keen to talk about the date, you know, the, the 8th of July that everyone's back, the 11th of July if, you know, those are on internationals and all that nonsense type of thing. But I'm, I'm pretty certain on this. I bet good money on this. 
he seems to want his business done really early. I mean, probably the question I'd ask, you never necessarily get everything done as you want. That's not the nature of football. As we know, things can drag on for various reasons. Do you expect, come the 8th of July or the 11th of July, when all the internationals are back, do you expect a good few names to be in the Dora Anfield by that time? Is that what you genuinely expect? Yeah, I do. I do. I think because, like we said, I think the budget will be bigger this summer. I do expect that we'll use much of that budget by that date. Um, what tends to happen with us, you know, is we go through the amount we're capable of spending. And then there's usually a period of having to get a couple out before we can get that last one in. Sure. And I'm sure we'll see a little bit of that as well. You know, there are quite a few, I think, that are likely to go or certainly that we would entertain bids for. Um and I'm sure you know they'll be they'll be running the numbers in every direction of how we can come up with the you know the most amount to spend possible because there's such a wide range of midfielders needed and a wide range of of fees being quoted from them you know all the way up from Bellingham's hundred and thirty down to Gravenberg's thirty. There's a real range of what we could end up spending there, and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with how much we can bring back in the other direction. So. I'm certain we won't get them all done by that date, but I do think we'll get most of them done. Certainly a couple of really key ones, you know, maybe it's a DM and a right-sided midfielder. I think we'll get at least a couple of them in by the time we uh, head off to Singapore. I'd be shocked if we didn't really. I think if we didn't, you'd have to say that's, that's a failing of the system. We haven't achieved what we meant to. Yeah, that, that is probably a a fair shout. There is a, a lot to do. Just listen, it's a couple of months away, but there is a hell of a lot needs to happen between now and the 8th of July, the 11th of July for back the players that are back from the international break, and we shall see. And I won't ask Mark anything more on that because, as I said, he has got the lightning round to come, which he will hate, so I'm <laughs> going to enjoy that tremendously. Speaking of May, because we do always talk about the next month, I mean, this is crazy to say we are into the last five games of the season now. So if we look at them... We've got the next two are at home, Fulham, tomorrow. We are Tuesday night now, just to clarify, so whenever this is aired, that'll be Wednesday. Brentford, Leicester away, Villa at home, the final home league game, and then Southampton away on the final day of the season. I mean, usually we're always thinking a couple of months ahead and trying to link it, Mark, but this, this is it. This is the end of the campaign. So when you look at those five games on paper, brutally honest, what points do you think we end up with and which is the toughest game you're pinpointing out of those? So I think um, obviously Leicester and Southampton are you know, still kind of fighting for their lives down there. The, yeah. There's a fair chance by the time we get to Southampton on the last day that they're already done and dusted. You know, they, they found themselves sitting alone now at the bottom. And uh, if they if they are gone, that one maybe isn't as tough as it could be if everything is on the line for them. Uh, Leicester are, look like they're going to be right in the thick of it when we play them in three games' time. So at their ground, you know, our away form still is really quite poor. I think that's going to be a really difficult game for us. And then the obvious um, kind of form team in the, in the list is Villa. Villa had a fantastic time since Gerard left, ultimately. And uh, they will undoubtedly give us a game. 
if I was picking the hardest one overall, I think I'm going Leicester away. It's one we've had like a little bit of trouble with a couple of times in uh, over the years. And this year in particular, they find themselves really needing the points and they're just getting a few players back now as well. Vardy's back in and playing. Madison's in there and Didi, all these sort of guys. I think um, I think that could be a really, really tough one for us, especially considering just how bad our away form is. That said, I think on paper, it looks like a pretty good month for us, really, considering the one we've just left. Yeah. I would expect us to beat Fulham. I expect us to beat Brentford. Despite all that I just said there, I expect us to, to at very minimum, get a point at Leicester. I think we'll beat Villa at home, and I think Southampton will be gone, and we'll beat them too. So I think we'll take 13 out of the, the 15, which would be a fantastic month, really, if we if we look at it in, in the context of the season that has been. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, I'm not going to lie, I absolutely hate this because usually I enjoy sharing my far superior football knowledge, but I have the number 13 for our points total. And I actually think, annoyingly, it's exactly going to be Leicester. And part of the reason for that is I do expect us, and you should never expect with Liverpool, I appreciate that, but we win those two against Fulham and Brentford. If we do that, remember it's the top six goes into the Europa, isn't it? Because of the Manchester or Manchester That's right, final. Yeah. It's looking pretty comfortable. And I just think that, Leicester, as you said, will be absolutely fighting for their lives at that stage. I just think a draw is not the worst result in the world at all. And then yeah. we're back at home against Villa. And like you said, everything indicates, you never know 100%, but everything indicates Southampton have gone, which means, you know, it's a, it's just a sad occasion for them. And we, you know, take the three points and end the season on a high note. So I do have 13 out of 15. And, that you know, let's be honest, that's enough to secure Europa. Maybe even in a disappointing way, still well off the top four, but comfortable in the Europa spots in another positive, disappointing way, however you want to see it. So, yeah. I think the other kind of one thing to keep in mind, which I always think is kind of an underrated uh, thing, is to end the season well regardless, because it it builds just a little bit of momentum going into the, the following year. Some of our best years have come after a really kind of resurgent end to the season. One that always sort of sticks in my mind is the year we signed Coutinho and Sturridge in the 
in the January and had a really, really good end to that season. Then we go into the 13-14 season and have this like really, really strong season. I think you can build form, you know, in the previous year if you end the season really strongly. And if we go on to pick up 13 out of them, having come off the back of four straight wins now, that would be a fantastic end to the season. That's that's back to kind of title winning form that. And uh, it gives them that kind of belief that they can do that. You know, they do have that consistency in the locker. I'd agree. I'd agree, especially with what's happened. I take that all day long. I think it just sends the right message to everyone. It says that Liverpool are, you know, getting back to where they want to be. It's a great sign for the fans. It's a great sign for transfer targets as well. They start looking at us differently that way, thinking about, you know, the other clubs and all the, the troubles they have. So a strong finish is still absolutely crucial. And 13 out of 15, I would take now quite happily. So we will see how and the final part of our show I'm going to really enjoy because when I sent Marcus a few notes he was thinking I'll be prepared for the off the field predictions that Dave mentions here but what he doesn't know is that was complete cock and bull this is a lightning round for you Mark I'm afraid so I have got numerous questions to ask you where you must answer as the rules pinpoint in the fewest words possible I'm afraid my friend the fewest words possible the final fewest literally under a thousand for you but literally <laughs> for any standard human like one or two if you can however just because i'm a generous guy and it's been a good end to the season i will give you a joker card but you've only got one just to be aware of so there's only one where i'll let you play your jokers you think i've got to expand on that i'm gonna claw the skin off my face i have to give more detail but you can only play it once. How many questions are there roughly? So I know uh, how, how far in you know to play that. I don't want to blow the Joker card too soon. See what I mean, ladies and gents. Even when he's talking to you about his strategy, he needs 500 words to tell you what he's thinking. So just to give you an idea, there's about eight or nine questions. Right. So good to know. Choose carefully. You may be pleased to know. I will also stick my neck on the line with you about certain things. So you could even see yourself correct and me wildly wrong, but let's not going to lie, that doesn't happen. So we'll see what we come up with. The first question on the docket, and it's a number I'm looking for. Predicting now, and you hate doing this, what is Liverpool's net spend by the end of the transfer window, the summer transfer window? Oh. Fewest words or fewest numbers possible. Ninety. Ninety. Nine zero. Wow. I'm gonna stick my neck on the line and go for hundred and five million. There is not much variation there, but did you hear the division when he said ninety? It was dripping with hatred as he was answering. So <laughs> And because it would mean you'd win our bet. Exactly. So that made me <laughs> even more pleased. Second one, and it's just the name. Who is our first signing of the summer? I promise you, ladies and gents, he is actually punching the wall or the desk at home. You will hate this. Who is our first signing of the summer? Mason Mount. Wow. Wow. 
I am going to go Alexis, Alexis McAllister at Brighton. Interesting. I mean, probably you actually couldn't hear people, the nervousness coming through the Zoom call here, but 90 million and Mason Mount so far. This has got to be short. How many midfielders come in? Three. I'm going four. I'm going four. We'll go no further than that. Now you're really going to detest this. Mason Mount's one. Name your other two. Oh. Just to clarify, you're asking who I would want or who I think? Who you think. See, he couldn't do it, ladies and gents, could he? He had to clarify further. Who do you think? Uh, I'm going to say McAllister and Ugarte. McAllister, Ugarte and Mount. I tell you what, if that was the honest summer, I would lap that up. I'm not going to lie. Which is interesting because I've gone McAllister, Mount, Ugarte and Gravenberch. I've gone a bit maybe gambling, maybe bold, however you want to put it. So I've gone four, you've gone three. I'm just adding Gravenberch to the list. This one will be interesting. How many defenders come in? And when I say defenders, just because I know you're going to clarify, full-backs, centre-backs, how many defenders? Oh, I'm going to play the joker here. I, uh, I just can't. It's such a difficult one to answer without talking about the variables because it really, like, which, it depends. Is Gomez going to be happy to have another season where he's, you know, down the pecking order? Matip looks kind of likely to leave to me. Um, if Trent's going to be playing an advanced role, are we going to get a new right-back coming in, you know, someone that can fill in properly for him at right-back and when he maybe plays in midfield permanently. Robertson hasn't looked the most comfy with his new role. Simicas, I think, would be even less capable of playing that role. Do they consider a new left-back as well? There's, a, there's potentially a lot of surgery there if this is the the style that we're going to be playing in going forward. But you also have to consider the fact that a lot of the budget's just going to go on the midfield. So there isn't going to be that much left to replace all the defence. So with all that in mind, I expect we'll probably lose one of our centre-backs and we'll sign a right-back and a centre-back. So two is the answer. Two in, one out. Dear Christ, that was like giving Rachel Riley a full detail answer there, wasn't it? Start to finish on everything that could go off. And weirdly, this may be as tragic in one way. I thought that was the answer you would play your joker on. So I've got the next question oh, no. to a lot of those players. It carries oh. on. See, can you hear? I'm actually enjoying the pain that's coming out of his voice here, I'm not going to lie. So quite simply, I'm naming some players and all you can answer is stays, goes. Stays or goes. So let's start naming them. Joe Gomez. Stays. Wow. Joel Matic. Goes. Wow. Kostas Simikas. <sighs> Stays. Wow. So that's the one out. Is Matip, Simicast, and 
Gomez stays. Hopefully, like me, ladies, you're enjoying the pain that's coming through in his voice. I'm having a really good time here. So there's only a few <laughs> questions left. And these are not too bad, to be fair, because they're a bit more speculative. Big question, though. Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Investment. Is there... It's going to be minority if it is, but is there a minority investor, at least a deal agreed, if not fully completed, by the end of the transfer window? Can I play another joker? No, you've had your joker. See, I told you, ladies and gents, I knew he'd push it. It's a yes or a no. The investment before the end of the summer window, yes, yes or no. Yes. yes. Look at that bit of optimism. I also believe yes. I also. I can maybe, play my. Maybe we should talk yes. about why we think yes. Let's take a take no, a no, few no, moments no. and. I I will talk about because I've not played my Joker at all. So I oh, believe no. it is part of John W. Henry's meeting. The reason he's here, he's talked about it. I also don't think this is just because of how tight they are that FSG would spend without serious backing or investment from somewhere. So. That is why I do believe that there will be investment before the start of the season, which I know people will scream about fools and all this, and I totally get, but hey-ho, let's see who's I, I also don't think it makes much sense to announce it pre-trying to sign people, does it? I mean, you're basically saying, hey, we got loads of money. We got loads of money. If that 30 million you want, make it 40. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't disagree with that at all. You know, we, we love playing <laughs> tight, Scrooge type of scenarios, don't we? So. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But listen, that was my joker, not your one. And the final one, I will give you a bit of free reign on because I know you will not be able to contain yourself on this one. The Thiago to Barcelona rumours. Do you think your favourite player, is there anything in this? I think there's definitely something in it, yeah. I I think, um, you know, you can see why it makes sense in so many ways. In some ways... It's, it's, it's odd to say it because I've seldom enjoyed watching a player as much as I love watching Thiago. I think he's just beautiful to watch play football. But it hasn't been a successful signing for, for a lot of reasons, mostly injury. Um, but also, he brought like a change of tactic to, to us, didn't he? You know, we tried to start being a little bit more, uh, I, I guess, offensively attractive in midfield instead of just workmanlike. And I don't think that has ultimately worked. Like we talked about earlier, we've gone back to kind of trying to be a little bit more workmanlike, guys who press well and pass well. And I think if Klopp was honest and he rolled the clock back, considering the wages he's put into Thiago and the the injuries that he's had, I don't think he would do it if he went back and got offered the deal again. So... With that in mind, and Barcelona kind of where they are, it makes perfect sense to me that they'd be considering it. Now, I still wouldn't do it. I still think he's our best midfielder. I still think if you're bringing all these, we've got a lot of young midfielders, it looks like we're going to sign a few more young midfielders. For me, there's no better guy to learn off than him. I mean, he's just filth at times, the way he plays. He really is. And his contract's out next year anyway, so there's no real pressure wage-wise, you know, it's literally just one more year. I don't expect there'd be a big fee involved for him anyway, so I can't really see the logic in letting him go. I, I mean, 
it, it seems like it would be more of a favour to let him go to him, you know, that he would be choosing it because he wants to go back to Barca, you know, and kind of finish his career there. Whether they'd wait another year for him or not, I guess, is anyone's, you know, anyone's guess. Um, I really hope it doesn't happen. What was the question? I've actually forgotten. Am I supposed to be giving an answer here? Yes or no? Yeah, I know. You're just kind of running about your absolute hero there. So... I, I, I think it doesn't happen. That's, that's, that's my final answer. Doesn't happen. certain games and I know we've talked about this especially if we get Europa League don't send that boy anywhere on a Thursday night not until you know the late knockout rounds if we're there that type of thing managing so well however there is a big thing to say that we have been asking around at Anfield Index and there is genuine genuine interest you know that from Barcelona there have been talks already and the other thing that as we're talking me and Mark now it's about 20 past nine on a Tuesday night there is strong rumours and suspicions that when it breaks, which may well come before this pod is released, that the story will come out that Tiago is out for the season and set to have an operation. So oh. he could be out for quite some time, which I don't know. We'll have to see on that because naturally that could change the thinking on the whole thing, especially from Barcelona's part, couldn't it, so to speak. But yeah, we will have to see what news comes out from Thiago or around Thiago for that. We'll always have that goal against Porto. Yeah, literally. It it will maybe be the transfer that when we look back on it, what could have been, it should have worked out, but it didn't type of thing. So we will have to say. I suppose probably, I mean, this is the the second to last one, isn't it? We've only got, got May left. Anything else you think it's worth mentioning about May or you think we've not covered Mark? We've been around the houses well and truly big time there, but anything else? Because I just love watching you suffer as you were given one world answers when you wanted to give an essay. So <laughs> I'll give you a chance now. No, I think we've I think we've pretty well covered it. I mean, the the big ones to look out for are do we get any signings in? There's obviously all the games which we covered heavily. Uh, the investment stuff, you know, do we hear anything further on that? Those are all pretty huge questions. If uh, you know if things go well, it could be a great month. If if we got a couple, of, I mean, at least one signing in before the end of May, I think that'd be huge. With the season yeah. finishes kind of late doors, if we got one uh, before the month was done, I think that would be a really really good start to what we hope is going to be a big window. I don't think we'll hear about the investment, but maybe we hear something more concrete about it rather than that it's you know that it's imminent. Maybe we uh, we find out who the who the most likely buyer is that that at least they're in you know negotiations or whatever at least we find out that it's progressing in some way um, and yeah and ultimately that we we finish the season strongly we we pick up at least thirteen points from these last games and and we end on you know what has been ultimately. Probably all in all, Klopp's worst season since he came in, with with a little bit of a high and and reason to be optimistic going into next year. Yeah, indeed. And when we do our final one of the season, ladies and gents, which probably the way that the schedule is looking will either be right at the end of May or literally right at the start of June. 
either way we'll be talking about the fixtures and we'll also start to talk about off the field matters where hopefully transfers and investments are a lot clearer to everyone fingers crossed so ladies and gents that has been another red alert that is april well and truly covered so all it leaves me to say is mark i enjoyed torturing you thanks very much for your time as ever pleasure as always dave cheers good stuff ladies and gents speak to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.